Real talk recognizes real talk. Here we are. Another episode. It's Monday, December the 14th. I noticed today that it's the anniversary of 20 or 30 elementary school children children uh, being killed it's also uh, the day where uh, our electoral college is confirming the votes we are also getting vaccines ready today's events we um, all come to realize that you know the daily events of our lives affect us have an effect on us and (laughs) sometimes it's easy to deal with and sometimes it's not sometimes we see them for what they are in the grand scheme scheme of things and Sometimes we do not. So it's in that vein that Real Talk recognizes Real Talk with the mission of trying to give you something to make it through your day, trying to give you something to help you manage and navigate this reality in which we live in. Something to help you um, see when you're aligned and when you're not. Hmm. We'll get back to that at another time. I will uh, be reading from The Astonishing Power of Emotions, Let Your Feelings Be Your Guide, by Esther and Jerry Hicks, The Teachings of Abraham. Uh, Law of Attraction stuff. There are quite a few books on the Law of of Attraction. Uh, You've ever seen The Secret? You've read the book? You, um, You know that... Jerry and Esther Hicks are, are and were the go-to people for putting the whole thing together. Uh, so, yeah, this is like coming from source, the source of the whole Law of Attraction concepts as they started being put forth into the public, but really dating back to, like, Seth Speaks and um, Think and Grow Rich all these um, writings that have references references to the power of our minds, our thinking. So, reading from page 25, your emotions are absolute indicators. You're taking some time for yourself right now. It's only been three minutes and 22 seconds. Give me another seven minutes to chill out, decompress, take a breath, and allow it to ease out slowly. It is about, it is about your alignment. It is about aligning your thoughts. So, 
You have now read several times in the beginning pages of this book our words that you must allow yourself to keep up with that which you are becoming if you are to live the joyful life that you have come forth to live. It is an, this important premise is not only the basis of this valuable book, but it is the foundation of your joyful life experience. We do not see many of you taking issue with the idea that when you do not have enough of something that you want, your desire to have it is even more amplified. And no one questions that once you have identified that you really want something, you will feel better in the having of it. But there is a very important distinction that we want you to understand that will help you mold your life into that which pleases you. This is a mental process, not an action process. It's about aligning your thoughts. It's not about taking action in order to achieve results. Real talk recognizes real talk. When your life causes you to realize that you want more money, we are not suggesting that you get another job or change your activities in some way to get more money. When your life causes you to realize that you have 50 pounds more body weight than you desire, we are not suggesting that you go on a strict diet or begin intense exercise to reduce your weight. When you are unappreciated at work, we are not suggesting that you confront someone demanding more appreciation or that you quit your job and try to find another position where appreciation is offered more easily. Allowing yourself to become what life has caused you to desire is not about action. It's about aligning your thought energies. It is about focusing your attention in the direction of your desire rather than looking back at the current conditions that have given birth to your desire. Reading that one again. It is about focusing your attention in the direction of your desire rather than looking back at the current conditions that have given birth to your desire. And while you may very well eventually become inspired to some action, it is the alignment of thought energy, a vibrational alignment that you are seeking. <laughs> wow. Wow. When you achieve vibrational alignment, any inspired action will feel wonderful. Without vibrational alignment, any action taken will feel difficult. Those last two sentences is how we tell if I'm moving in inspired action or if I'm not. Is there ease to what I'm doing? Did the inspired action come in such a way that I leaped up out of the chair to get to what it is I have been inspired to do? You know you're aligned to it then. But if it feels, oh my goodness, like I can hardly move to do this. I hate this. There's no inspired action there. Our feelings, our emotions, our indicators. So wait until you feel inspired action. Be easy. Do some breathing exercises. Relax your mind. Do something totally opposite, totally different. Take your mind off of it. The best way 
to release thought is to go to sleep. Lay your head down, curl up, close your eyes, cut off everything around you, and leave. The thought processes stop. You slow down. The body heals. You've already planted the desire. Now allow it to cultivate. Allow it to marinate. Take a breath right here. In the first broadcast, we talked about inhaling for four seconds and holding for four seconds. Then releasing slowly for eight seconds. Go ahead, you have time to do it again as you listen. Make time for yourself to sit back and do nothing. Just observe, be quiet, be at peace, tune out, breathe. This is real talk, recognizing real talk, giving you real talk, real substantive information to help you. Subscribe, like, pass this on, support this podcast. You'll be getting more of this. If this has helped you in any way, pay it forward. Real talk recognizes real talk. Breathe family. Real talk recognizes real talk. How y'all doing? It's New Year's and we're about to jump right in with my first guest of the new year, the Tina Johnson. I'm going to um, have the Tina Johnson tell you exactly who she is with a question that comes straight out of Black Panther. Are you ready, the Tina Johnson? I'm ready. Who are you? Well, that's a complex question. Uh-huh. Um, well, I mean, who am I outside of being a personal trainer, a fitness and lifestyle coach? I am a passionate person. Um, I am a helper. So I know that one of my spiritual gifts is to help people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a goal-oriented person. I'm a self-motivated person. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I can be a doubtful, a doubtful person, but I am able to, because I'm self-motivated, I'm able to pull myself out of that self-doubt and turn not so good situations into fantastic situations. Mm-hmm. I'm physically fit. Um, I'm mentally strong. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the gist of who I am. Very good. <laughs> we really appreciate that because that encompassed a lot of things right there. Um, a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, just reviewing that, we can touch on things that help us in our daily lives. And that's what um, 
Real Talk is about. We really are, are here to help people and inspire them with our own personal stories, our own personal experiences, um, and how we got we got help along the way too. So, just to be um, transparent with the audience, um, the Tina Johnson and I have already talked, and we gleaned out a few things from her background that I really want to make sure gets um, put out there for the general audience and for like our friends and family, uh, particularly. Um, the Tina Johnson has this saying called uh, that goes "winning at life." So. Tina, could you expound on that a little bit for us? Winning at life. I mean, it's a long, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a long story. It's something that I kind of developed, like, my mantra when I was in my late 30s, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, I've always known that I had an exceptional type of quality. I never wanted to be average. Um something about being average and there's nothing wrong with some people just, you know, wanting to kind of coast through life and be one of the numbers, mm -hmm. um, be in the rat, rat race. But I, I always knew I wanted to be something more than that. Um, so the short version of winning at life is doing something that's productive in your life and helping other people mm -hmm. um, be productive in theirs. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it's much deeper than that. Do you want me to tell you all about that? <laughs> so for the listening audience, again, we talked a little bit about this and where I have written on my notes, winning at life, there's a lot of stuff. I have an arrow going down, maybe about four or five lines to where it says childhood. So if you want to go back to there a little bit, because there were some pertinent things that happened, I'm going to let you tell your own story, but go right ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So when, when I kind of put this story together, um, and it's, it's my life, so it's nothing that's made up, it's the truth, mm -hmm. um, you'll understand a little bit more of what winning at life means, and it mm -hmm. means something different to everyone. So just my personal story, I grew up um, in a household with a mother and a father, mm -hmm. and they were abusive to one, to one another, physically, mm -hmm. mentally, verbally, emotionally. Mm -hmm. um very abusive uh they did not know how to communicate with each other in a civilized way um and i witnessed all that i was an only child so i had really no one to kind of lean on uh lean on to to cry to mm -hmm. and um at an early age i knew that this is not normal this can't be how people live you know mm -hmm. and this is, they're not happy people are designed to be happy and so I kind of decided, you know, the more time I spend away from home, the happier I will be. So I don't have mm -hmm. to be part of the mm -hmm. chaos. Mm -hmm. So at five years old, I started to um, run. Mm -hmm. I joined a jogging club mm -hmm. in elementary school. I ran before uh, school started. My mom actually looked at me, and I remember this to this day at five years old. She mm -hmm. said, you really want to wake up early and run around a field before you go to school? <laughs> I said, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Seriously, yeah. I, I want to. And mm -hmm. that's running with my first love um then throughout elementary school middle school i took up basketball cheerleading i started running track i also played softball for one season i wasn't good at it so i was like let me redirect myself into something that i'm good at mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and i did all these things to be happy to find some happiness you know as a child mm -hmm. and um through all of that you know seeing your parents just be chaotic <laughs> the majority of the time um mm -hmm. sleeping with um dressers on you know 
barricaded myself into my room with a dresser pulled mm-hmm. ac- across the door mm-hmm. um wow. sleeping in closets mm-hmm. um just to kind of find like safety kind of hiding right that type yeah. of thing mm-hmm. um to where you know i'm seeing my you know my father take an axe to chop down a door mm. wow. to get to my mom wow it's very traumatic that's traumatic um, yes, it is. or seeing you know um mm. my mom running out of the house because she got stabbed in her hand wow um, and mm. i'm just thinking what's happening now mm. and so okay so now as you can see i'm saying all these things because fitness was my way to cope with life my life mm-hmm. and um i went track in in um in college, my mom actually was the forerunner for me on that. She determined, like, you have to go to school. You have to make good grades. I want you to go to college. So she was able to hear a track scholarship for me. And, again, fitness was a way for me to control something, some part of my life. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, that's really, you know, the the version of my childhood growing up. And I didn't mention this to you, Ricky, but, I, you know, because I'm led to say it. Uh-huh. Um, I too was in an uh, abusive relationship, mm-hmm. okay. mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And this is where a point where this was the first. I didn't really realize it until I became like thirty something. Mm-hmm. This was the first point in my life that I felt like I was losing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now I am here, a teenager in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. with someone I don't know how to get out of, and mm-hmm. I actually tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And wow. um, you know, coming mm-hmm. to that point, realizing like, wow, this is not what my life is supposed to be mm-hmm. after I realize I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I realized this is not what my life was supposed to be. And I, I decided at that point I had to dig myself out of a hole. Hole mm-hmm. Again, me being very self-motivated, I was like, I have to do more with my life. There's more mm-hmm. for me to do. God did not save my life mm-hmm. um, for me to just right. live here and, and do nothing to help other people. Right, right. Um, so I got out of that relationship um, mm. and I graduated college, all of that. I was the captain of my um, track and field team at, at VCU. I graduated college with a C equals degree, Ricky. I was trying to get out of there. <laughs> um, but I got out and I got my bachelor's degree. Yeah. And shortly after that, I got married. Mm. Um, and I started, you know, we were married for five years. Then we had children, mm. taking care of my husband, taking care of my kids. Mm-hmm. I started a daycare um, mm-hmm. because I did not want to go to work every day. I was working as a clinical laboratory scientist when I had my first child, and I just realized I can't do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I was working a cancer lab. Right. And granted, a lot of people beat cancer, but there's a whole lot of people that don't. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was emotionally draining. Uh-huh. And I just decided I can't do this for the rest of my life, walking into a job that I don't like, that I don't mm-hmm. love. I don't want to wake up every morning dreading going to where I'm going. Right. For me, that was not winning. So mm-hmm. I, after I had my first daughter, I came home from um, working and retired from the medical field, mm-hmm. and I started daycare. Kids in I motion. I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Kids, so kids in motion, right? Can, the kids, kids in motion. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. Kids in Motion was the name of the daycare, and mm-hmm. I was determined that we were going to be physically active, mm-hmm. we were going to have fun every day, yeah. kids were going to leave my house, because it was in my house, mm-hmm. I had a family day home, and mm-hmm. people were going to leave, uh, kids were going to leave with grass stains on their jeans. Mm-hmm. That's right. how fun and how productive it was going to be, and everyone was going to learn how to read mm-hmm. before they left and all of that, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was taking care of everybody else. Uh-huh. So at this point, mm-hmm. 
I had been, I had it daycare for about 12 years mm-hmm. and I was taking care of everybody else, taking care of my family, other mm-hmm. people's children. Sometimes I had to take care of those parents because the parents are having newborns and they don't know what to do. So they're calling me after hours, like, what does this cry mean? Listen to my mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. And so I'm helping them in that aspect. Mm-hmm. 